Mark Dunderdale is back today. Mark, it's been too long since we last spoke. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm feeling a bit better about the football now. Another week's <laughs> passed. I am not. Uh, I've, I thought of something earlier, and I meant to message you this, and I think you're, the, you're exactly the right man for this question. It's a bit of a, bit of a uh, non-Mid-South preamble. What is your... What do, you, what do you think is your... Perhaps there's two answers to this, actually. So I was going to ask you, what do you think the best is and what is your favourite film with a wrestler in it? So you're, you're, a, a, it could be, there could be the same oh. thing, one and the same. So a favourite... I meant to message you this. So I've given you no time to think about this. So I, I do apologise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, favourite film and best film with a wrestler. Perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps while you're having a little thing. I couldn't really even think of like a best film. I watched the Batista... Um, Zombie film uh, recently, that was quite good. I guess Rocky Three has got Hulk Hogan in it. Um, I haven't really seen much of the Fast and Furious stuff, so can't really comment on The Rock in that. No, I like Cock Blockers with John Cena. That was good fun. But again, I'm not saying <laughs> it's like an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, Moana with The Rock, excellent. So what, what I'm throwing to you, Mark. That's all, all the filling in I can do. Are there any ones that spring to mind? The first, the first one that sprung to mind was The Princess Bride. With Andre ah, the Giant. In it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I know I know it's very critically acclaimed that one, isn't it? Yeah, I think that might be the the best uh in terms of filmmaking, but personal favourites. I like um Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze movie has Terry Funk in it. Ah. And um uh yeah, there's a lot of superhero films in the last few years with uh, Batista playing oh, one of the Guys Guys of the, the Galaxy is is excellent, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. uh they live with Rowdy Roddy Piper, that's a good film. I don't think I've ever seen it, unfortunately. That's just, that's oh, for, great for film shame. That I've seen some yeah. wrestling film with Roddy Piper from from maybe a little bit later. Do you, do you remember that one? Uh, body slam. Body probably, slam with the uh, face yeah. from the eighteen. Yeah, was the body one. slam. I can't. I don't. I don't remember that being particularly good, though. To be honest, I don't know if you, no. if you had any. No, no. Anyway, we're and, on. Uh, to... I wouldn't put Hold any on. Hulk Hogan films on the list either. I don't Not, know about you. I haven't. I've only ever seen No Holds Barred. I think once. Um, I guess this is probably uh, you've probably seen it since, but I there was a time, uh, may like a couple, a good couple of years after this came out, like maybe late '91, where it was on. They did something for it for, on Sky Movies. Maybe it was. Uh, do you know what I think it might have been? Do you remember Tuesday night in Texas or this yeah. Tuesday in Texas? I think they had a thing on Sky Movies Plus where that was the debut of No Holds Barred as well. So that would have been a solid two years afterwards, I think. It, it could have been, but the timeline doesn't really add up because it was made no. in, I think, 89. Yeah. Or maybe Sky had got the rights in 91, yeah. Yeah, I, so, so I think in 89, they did a thing where they had a match with Zeus and Hulk Hogan, which they pre-taped, and they did a when it was available on pay-per-view. But I'm, I could be wrong about that. But if there's any, I guess it's probably not many, but many uh, WF fans from the early 90s on Sky, I can remember that. I'm sure it was something like that, but it was way after the fact because 90, it definitely wasn't 1990. So maybe it was 90. But anyway, I digress. Uh, we're, we're here to review the July 27th, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And as has become the norm, we've got Joel Watts and Jim Ross at the desk. And I don't think Joel has changed his shirt in the last episode. And I feel that he's letting standards slip a bit here. Um, the main attraction this week is the Bounty Hunters versus Jim Duggan and Bill Watts. We also have Al Perez versus Steve Williams and much, much more. At first, we have the team of Kamala and Kareem Mohammed, the Zambui Express. And their victims this week are Wendell Cooley. Why are they not pushing Wendell Cooley and Frank Lane? 
Ross says these two are 817 pounds of combined weight. And I actually doubt that these two are more than 700 pounds of tubs. Um, poor Cooley was choked early by Zambu while Kamala pulled his hair, which didn't look pleasant. Kamala hit some shots and did a great jump in celebration as Ross called him an excellent athlete. And Kamala smashed Lane with a sandwich move, which I always enjoy, Zambu in the apron, which I was impressed that Zambu didn't actually fall off the apron at this. And then finished him off with a splash in 57. This was fine. I've kind of been a bit negative towards Kamala previously, um, especially his like nerve hold and armpit grab. But this is the best use of him, just get in there and smash people really quickly. Um, I thought basic, both looked decent. They continued the, the beat down post-match. What do you think of our opener this week? Yeah, I prepared myself expecting you to not like this one. Um, <laughs> I needn't have bothered. Um, I, I quite like uh, Zambui. It's, um, his movement's a little stiff, which is typical of any 400-plus pounder, allegedly. Mm. Um, but I like how aggressive and hard he hits. He's got more in his arsenal than just chops and punches, and that's what many guys that size relied on, certainly yes. in the 80s. Um, and and uh, as far as the match goes, I always got a kick out of that spot where Kamala would try and cover someone while they were face down, and then it's a nice character trait for the, jun- for the savage from the jungles of Uganda who knows enough to lay on the guy and even hook a leg but he needs the manager there to tell him to turn him over onto his back and do it. Yeah, very uh, reminiscent of pre-Summer Sam 92 and the build-up to his match with yeah. The Undertaker. That was definitely... The, the only other person I've seen do that spot was Cameron, Naomi's former Funkadactyl's partner in uh, <laughs> WWE, but hers wasn't part of the character. She was just uh, inexperienced. Wow. Uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Tommy Pritchard up next. But before the two could start, Ted DiBiase interrupted. He said he issued a challenge a few weeks ago to Terry Taylor and he beat him. And he should be the number one contender to the World Heavyweight title and not Reed. DiBiase said Flair offered him a lot of money to take care of Reed. Um, and DiBiase said that it wasn't him that was ducking and diving and said he should wrestle him right there and find out who is the number one contender for the world title. Reed said he would fight him anytime. But right there, he had a match sign with, with Tom Pritchard. DBS, he tried to punch Reed, and this tactic seemed to work again as the bell rang. We've got a high-profile singles match out of nowhere. So Ross said on commentary that after Flair's battle with Reed in the Omni early that month, Flair had told him that he never wanted to face Butch Reed again. Um, DiBiase's selling was superb in this, and he made Reed's offense look really, really good. Um, that was aside from a lot of headlocks in this, and um, which both men used. Uh, and Joel said that this would be a main event anywhere in the world, including Japan and New Zealand. Um, at 8.30, the two clashed heads and the ref, with the ref unsighted, DiBiase loaded the glove, but Reed managed to reverse it and block it three times. Reed then worked on the hand in the corner as Ross screamed that the weapon had been turned on DiBiase. At 9.31, Reed hit the flying body check for the win as clean as a whistle. And I mean, this is astonishing. They are really pushing the returning Reed challenge of this world title in the Superdome coming up. Um, because DiBiase just doesn't lose to anybody. Uh, maybe a few too many headlocks for my taste, but I thought this was really enjoyable and very exciting towards the end. What do you think of this impromptu DiBiase versus Butch Reed match? I thought this was fantastic. Um, Reed was laying in the big shots, but DiBiase was staying in it by pulling the tights and te- mm. taking cheap shots. Um, the crowd were hot throughout. The commentators were excellent explaining what effect most of the holds had on the person receiving them. I mean, being a WWF kid, I was used to commentators in this era being, you know, Vince McMahon saying, oh, what a manoeuvre and 
Gorilla Monsoon, who I loved, but he only ever explained what damage big moves had on someone by saying, you know, that'll give you a negative attitude. <laughs> uh, but here, when when Butchery got a close two count from a long headlock, of all things, uh, I thought Jim Ross did a great job explaining how someone as strong as Butch Reed doing that move can affect your equilibrium and give you a cauliflower ear. And um, and then there was a, a bit, a, the moment where DiBiase loaded his glove behind the referee's back. It was actually the camera work that um, that caught my eye. The, the way we saw it from the hard camera, you had DiBiase, Reed and the referee. It couldn't have been choreographed any better than those three guys instinctively did it. They were yep. all stood in the right position. And then, yeah, it's huge surprise that the finish was, like you said, clean as a whistle. Um, Joel, Ro- Joel Watts uh, shouting, oh, yeah, and Butch, <laughs> jump, Butch Reed jumping in the air and punching the sky in jubilation, and the crowd were just as excited as he was. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, really, really, really strong this was. Uh, but up next, it gets better and better. The one we've all been waiting for is the Bounty Hunters versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Bill Watts. And Watts had his Stampede is Alive in 1985 shirt on in, in, in a brown. He had black trunks on and a red and blue hat. And yes, that was as great as it, on the eyes it sounds. Just a dreadful, dreadful combination of colours. That being said, there was a nice Go Bill Go chant for Watts as he started the match. Uh, we got some blatant cheating from the Babyface team earlier in this with double team uh, manoeuvres. A little from the referee in terms of trying to break this up. Did this remind you of any modern day teams, this uh, this cheating from Duggan and Bill Watts? Yes. <laughs> I've just written off that young bucks. Um, exactly. the, <laughs> the bounty hunters got on top of Duggan uh, and one slammed him feet first into the mat, which looked painful. There's a second rope splash missed. And soon after, all men, all four men were in as Ross shouted, there's a lot of beef in there. Again, referee did absolutely nothing. Duggan hit the spear in 335 for the win. I thought this was a complete and utter mess. What do you think of Duggan and Watts versus the bounty hunters here? I presume by bounty hunters, they're talking about them hunting the chocolate bar bounty rather than any <laughs> other human beings. Um, well, Bill, I, I keep going on about ages. Bill Watts here is the same age as 46 years old, mm. which is, to put it in perspective, the same age as Shelton Benjamin and Rey Mysterio are right now. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I liked it a bit more than you, I think. Both bounty hunters left their feet a few times and it was quite impressive seeing them take back drops and they were attempting big jumping elbow drops and a, a splash off the middle rope. Um, but it did appear towards the end that both of their gas tanks were pretty much empty, I felt. Mm. Um Obviously, it, was, it wasn't going to measure up to the previous match. It was longer and there was a lot more action in that one. But the purpose of this one was to show that Watson and Duggan are ready to face Akbar's team. So I thought they accomplished that nicely. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel versus Mike Graham was supposed to be up next. Before this one could start, Skander Akbar was out there in his wrestling trunks and his chest out. He said that he knew he shouldn't have asked some American pigs to do his work for him. He then challenged Watts to a wrestling match there and then. So here's my question, Mark. I actually, I've actually written, do you think if we were 16 at the time, but actually forget the age, if we were, were living this at the time, do you think we'd have been thinking, I really want to see the Fantastics. I really want to see Terry Taylor. I really want to see Butch Reed. I don't want to see Bill Watts. and I don't want to see Scanner Akbar. And I don't want to see Dick Murdoch. And that's the feeling I'm getting as a 39-year-old watching this. I'm like, I don't want to see, I want to see the exciting guys. I miss the Rock and Roll Express. I miss the Midnights. The fact I miss the, I don't want to see the Fantastics. What do you think? I would categorically say yes. Yeah. Uh, because going back to when I was a kid watching sort of 
as the eighties went into the nineties. I, I even then I was more about seeing when Bret Hart got tagged him in a, in a Hart Foundation match more than Hulk Hogan or anyone like that. Big time, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'd have been the same there. The guys doing the exciting moves always got my attention more than the 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 big superstars doing their routines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and I this is perhaps why I'm not enjoying some of these episodes quite as much as the previous stuff I'm kind I've kind of had enough of the Akbar feud now I just want this to be over and I think maybe after the Superdome show we'll we'll start the, the pack will start being mixed up again um Boyd Pearson got on the microphone and said what had to had said to hold everything wait until he got his trunks back on and he'd be down there so clearly he changed out those very quickly Mantel was pacing up and down this was a little bit awkward because there's nothing going on and then eventually Watts came out thankfully his pants were on um, and he charged through um, and uh, charged through and got Akbar. The bell went basically. And Mantel tried to save Akbar, but Mike Graham stopped him. Kamala and Zambu were then out there, and Watts was holding his own until Akbar hit him with something. Kamala splashed him, and Joel screamed, No! Mike Graham tried to stop him as well. And then he got a fireball to the face for his trouble. And this Duggan, uh, Duggan and Steve Williams are associated with Akbar, but not so much recently. And But that, they were fighting on the outside, which didn't make a lot of sense. Ross sold this massively saying they wanted to burn Watts, but got Graham instead. Uh, there was really a lot going on here. Uh, another heavy duty angle, clearly. Um, but what did you think of this and the burning of poor Mike Graham? Yeah, well, first of all, when the introductions were taking place for the match between Dutch Mantel and Mike Graham, when I was researching Mike Graham ahead of last week's show, I discovered that he only ever had that one match in Mid-South last week before oh, he headed back to Florida. Okay. So I was surprised to see him in the ring ready for match number two, basically, until it dawned on me that there's probably an angle on the way. Yeah. There was. Um, uh, yeah, once once the chaos kicked off in the ring as everyone came out and uh, Ross frantically pointed out Akbar was getting ready to burn Watts the same way he did to Duggan with the fireball. Obviously, Mike Graham eventually took the fireball himself once um, Akbar got the hang of it. And um, it turned into a classic Mid-South mass brawl, which we've seen many times with so many people involved, both in the ring and around ringside. Uh, I, I like the um, the brawl at the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is this is decent stuff, apart from maybe not enjoying some of the individuals involved in this. Um, after the break, so Oliver Humperdinck introduced North American champion, The Nightmare, and his opponent was the always popular Brickhouse Brown. Joel said he's still struggling with what he's just seen, coming that close to seeing his father burn. But he didn't have the guts to do anything about it, did he, Joel? He just sat there and watched. Um, Brickhouse had a few moments in this, but it was ultimately depositive in just over two minutes via the Nightmares pile driver. And it just makes you think, um, what are they doing with Brickhouse? It always gets a good reaction. The Snowman was one of the probably the most useless wrestler I've ever seen in my entire life. And they gave him the TV title, but they're sending Brickhouse out here to be, you know, basically squashed. I mean, what did you think of this nightmare versus Brickhouse Brown? Yeah, uh, Brickhouse looked as nimble as, and as lively as ever. He hit a gorgeous dropkick yes, early on, right yeah. in the mouth of his much taller opponent. Um, yeah, I did, uh, I did notice the same as last week. Humperdinck in, interrupted Boyd Pierce so he could introduce the champion himself. And I wonder if that's where Paul Heyman got the idea from, because that's hmm. his sort of uh, thing now. And I do know that those two, along with Kevin Sullivan, formed a stable together in the Florida Territory back in 1987. So it would make sense for Heyman to have picked up some tips from Humperdinck. Um, yeah, just like last week, really, as soon as the pile driver hits, there's no thoughts of a kick out. It 
it's definitely all over and the domination of the nightmare continues. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Dr. Death Seaboard interests Al Perez, who'd beaten both of his opponents so far in short order with a German bridging suplex. And I was looking forward to this and I thought this was really good while it lasted, but it only went just over three minutes. Perez caught Williams in a belly to back and Debiossi made the save that led to the DQ. Uh, what did you think of this short Perez versus um, Williams match here? Yeah, I was looking forward to it as well. Um, Ross and Watts were heavily hyping Perez um, on last week's show and throughout this week's show saying how impressive he's looked thus far since arriving in Mid-South. Um, I liked when uh, Steve Williams lost his cool and rushed in where Perez hit him with two big arm drags and a back body drop, but he just felt like Dr. Death was going to make his comeback soon, and he did. Um, the prolonged front face lock sucked the life out of the match a bit, as you'd expect, though. Once again, Jim Ross and Joel Watts should be commended for explaining why wrestlers use that hold and how effective it is. Yeah, definitely. I think these the, the two. I do miss Boyd and Bill, but I think um, Jim and Joel are doing a good job. Uh, and our favourite, Mark Hawk, was back next, due, due to be up against Dick Murdoch. But sadly, instead, we got the Mid South TV matchmaker in there, which is always a delight. He said that Dick Murdoch has an injured shoulder, injured at the hands of the Nightmare earlier on but they're going to have a replacement. And Oliver Humperdinck came out and said that he thought Murdoch was a tough guy. And that was the difference between a pro wrestler and an, am and an amateur. And he called him a coward. Humperdinck said he once had a temperature of 106, but he still turned up. Do you remember when Bret Hart, funny enough, I was listening to a podcast about this earlier on. Do you remember when Bret Hart lost the Intercontinental title to the Mountie? Do you yeah. remember what degrees his temperature was when he went into that match? 104. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But um, Humperdinck obviously was two degrees Fahrenheit worse than that. Uh, we then got Murdoch's music in spite of there being an unnamed replacement already in the ring. Murdoch came out and said he's a professional athlete who isn't afraid of anyone. And as soon as he's through with this guy, he's going to put a big, he's going to put an apple in uh, Humperdinck's mouth and call him a pig. Murdoch won this with an elbow in under 30 seconds and then went after Humperdinck. I thought this was really weird. Like, clearly, he was absolutely fine to have the match. So, why did he? Why was it said in the first place that he was injured? Didn't really like this. Sorry, Terry. I'm not that keen on Dick Murdoch at the moment. Um, what did you? Outside of the ring stuff aside, what did you make of this whole thing? Well, when the matchmaker came out to say that Murdoch had an injured shoulder following the attack, and a replacement will be coming out shortly, I knew this must be some kind of angle because they've done this kind of thing a few times before without the need of the matchmaker or anybody publicly making the announcement they just sort of call it on commentary um but yeah he came out he, he was selling the shoulder for a short while but then easily won the match uh it was a nice measured jumping elbow drop to finish it but yeah nothing else to it no absolutely um we threw to ross then and he said that on power pro wrestling there was an incident with the fantastic and bill dundee that shocked everyone so this power pro wrestling um, was taped in the Irish McNeil's Boys Club as well. Um, and I guess this was their version of Wrestling Challenge, but there just isn't that much information about this out there. So I, I presume this was for certain markets and probably in a much weaker time slot. Um, did you find anything out about this, Mark? So have you got anything in your notes there at all? Not really. I think it was more um, uh, promoted by the Houston Wrestling right, rather okay. than a Mid-South Wrestling event, even so though maybe... it was in the, the usual Mid-South arena. And I noticed Joel Rock Watts was on commentary, so... 
It was yeah, very mid south. There's a couple of episodes of this on the WWE Network as well. And maybe this jumps around a bit, but yeah, um, they don't ever do angles on this show, and then and then and then flick them across, which is which is interesting. Uh, basically, it was a it was a Dundee heel turn, and he he held down. Uh, Bobby Fulton, while Dutch Mantel uh, whipped him, uh, and back to Ross, he said that they were the next week they would show that entire match. They didn't do spoiler alert. Just got to put this out there. Um, I, we talked about this already. I don't feel like this time period of what I've watched so far is particularly classic stuff. As I said, I've had enough of Akbar. I want the title off the nightmare, and I miss some of the guys that we've talked about. Um, what did you think of this show closing angle with Bill Dundee, and what did you make of this episode overall? Yeah, we didn't see much of it. I did remark myself what you just said about Jim Ross said we're going to see the entire match next week, and uh, I was quite looking forward to that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, as we'll discuss in a week's time, we don't. Um, yeah, it was what it was, and I, I'm not as down on the promotion as you are in general. I think there's enough. Good. I, I don't mind the nightmare so much, but with DBRC, Dr. Death, Jake Roberts, and uh, I mean, he, even if you don't like so much what Bill Watts is bringing to the table. I mean, he's so popular with that crowd, obviously. And um, similar with Dick Murdoch, guys like that. The crowd are into what's going on, and that makes a big difference, as we're seeing now with um, the likes of AEW in front of live crowds. It it makes a huge difference to the same action in front of either no crowd or a crowd that's not as invested. Definitely. I don't, I, do you know what, it's interesting about that nightmare I said about, about the title being off him. I actually quite like the, his presentation where he just goes out and kills someone. But I would actually prefer it if he was chasing rather than was, was the champion because I don't feel like he's been putting any jeopardy yeah. and uh, we're, not getting any, we're not getting any sort of 10 minute matches with him and top baby faces that are good. So it's just, it's almost like I don't mind his presentation, but I'm not getting the best of what I would hope out of a North American champion, I suppose. Um, but yes, anyway, Mark will be back for one more round next week. And until then, thank you all for listening and so long. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify, or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.